0: everyone, welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, Frank. Hi everyone, Um, I'm Frank Forza, this is Noah Green. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Everyman BJJ. And Noah, I hope you can hear me. I'm outside today and we've got like a little garden and it's... It's fall. It might be a little windy, so I'm hoping that wind doesn't obstruct. But this is one of my favorite seasons. You know, coming from the East Coast, from Maryland, you're a guy spent. You know, you're a a Texas native, but you spend a lot of time in the East Coast. You love New York, and man, fall fall might be my favorite season, man. There's something about the like to me. Fall is the most nostalgic, sentimental season with the with the. I don't know why. I just. So it's, it's a little bit nippy out here today, but, uh, but it's beautiful. So just just trying to capitalize.
1: Uh, hands down, fall is my absolute favorite time of year. Um, it's a season of transition, um, and it, you tend to uh, have a summer full of memories, and uh, you, you start thinking about how, as the days grow shorter – And, you know, the nights go longer, um, temperature starts to cool. It, you know, and there's a, you know, if you're around trees and they start to produce the sap and you start to smell the, um, this is autumn in the air. One of my favorite, absolutely one of my favorite, uh, times of year up until, um, probably the cold rains in November. Um, that's whenever I think I'm like, okay, I'm good. That's, you know, then I know it's winter. So, um, Yeah. It's a, it's a time of transition um we um uh we had a you know last night i don't know if you uh, got to check up on any of the ufc 253 i was i was tweeting a lot on my personal uh, twitter account um pretty active on there yesterday um it was it was good stuff you know i enjoyed watching the fights there was a couple of surprises um, let me switch gears real quick. Um, I don't know if I had mentioned to you, um, I've been having this like really nagging pain in my right knee and it's, um, you know, I, I suffer from sciatica and, and, and pain, uh, from my back down to my, uh, down to my feet with both, both legs and it goes all the way up to my neck. Um, so, uh, at night when I can't sleep, you know, I'm, I'm, searching for like, how do I stretch out of this? Or do I need to do some acu, um, acupressure massage, you know, to try to release whatever muscle that might be pulling at, um, uh, at something. And I've been struggling for a while, um, with, with this pain in my knee. And so, so here's my knee, right? Let me get this right. Um, sorry, this is really poor. So, um, my thumb here is you uh, is, is like the interior side. And so, pinky's on the um, outside, you know, the, the outer side. And the pain is like right here where my pinky is. It's like, it feels like a little pulling. Like if these are my bones, it's like a little pulling right there, like down here. And it's right at the spot where my uh, calf muscle, you know, where your shins are, it, it meets up and it's like right behind up in there. And I don't know what's going on. I've had X-rays uh, of the of that knee, um, and, and I've the only thing that I know that gives it relief is like if I sit, if I sit, it will come at me later, and it's a nagging level five to six pain out of ten. And strange enough, there's only one stretch that I find that relieves that pain and that's um um you know if you ever sit on the floor and if you have your feet out uh or or at least one foot out and you stretch over like a side bend and you were and you stretch out that oblique um stretching out the obliques uh relieves the tension in that knee that's the only thing that relieves the tension nothing else does um so anyways just say that because uh you know, jujitsu, you know, over forty jujitsu, uh, you know, your your body's tightening up, it's showing its wear, it's got miles on it. And I you know, this is a constant search for pain relief in a lot of ways. You know, like, how do I just you know, I'm looking to you know, looking not to heal so much as to relieve pain. Um, you know, you got your black belt earlier in you know, at an early age, I, I'm still working towards my...
0: We we could we could take the whole podcast and stay on this one subject. By the way, oh, I know,
1: no, I know. A, I I just wanted to this share this subject. with you. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to share with you, um, you know, why I talk sometimes about yoga um, and my pra- My yoga practice is because it's a to me. Um, my practice in yoga, there's certain things you get out of it that you don't get. Um yoga is like a martial art you do unto yourself you know it's really like that it's a relationship with your body but you have to couple that i, I what i find is you have to couple that with meditation and lately like you know it's been adding up the uh the tally it has been increasing on on me You know, stress-wise, you know, not being able to go and roll and do jiu-jitsu, not, uh, you know, not having my normal work, you know, work routine, things like that, and um, all the stresses that come of it. I'm having to double down right now on my meditation. You know, like I'm trying to get in a full hour every day, and that's hard. Uh, But I bring that up in, in the same conversation with pain because they're related. You know, you use so much of your mental um, energy just noticing that pain, noticing that. And I think this is probably something very, very common with anyone who practices jujitsu or any athletic sport. At some point, you have to deal with some pain um, in the body. Um, You know, I... um,
0: well, let, let, let's say, let's stop there for so, a second. Kind of, yeah,
1: I can meander more, but I just want to we, share that with you.
0: We could easily spend the whole hour and a half or whatever we have left on this topic. And this topic would get more interesting for the people watching us. If they bear with us for the next hour, this topic will go deeper into this topic and they will get a lot of goodies, a lot of benefits. Most people. Mm-hmm. Out of what we're going to say in this podcast. This is a good one. Now, because all of the martial arts, right, the real martial arts, the effective ones, are a dance with pain. No matter how you shake it. This is the Hurt Biz. This is a dance with pain. This is a dance with suffering. This is a dance with sacrifice. This is a dance with a deeper knowing of self. This is a dance with fear. This is a dance with faith. This is a dance with a lot of things. But probably the number one reason, when we look, a buddy of mine who's 50-some years old just got a blue belt yesterday, Rico Rodriguez, two days ago. Rico Rodriguez, former UFC champion, gave him a blue belt. They had to go to New York City to do it. I guess Rico's got an academy there, I think. Rico's a New Jersey guy originally. So, anyway, Rico gave him and called him a Ronin and said, look, this guy trains a lot, kind of like Jordan's situation. Jordan Worth, our compadre here on Everyman BJJ where you had this white belt like Jordan out there for like five years, right? He's this white belt that's just floating in the wind because he's not attached to any particular academy at the time. He's now a brown belt. But before, Jordan was like the most decorated, most awesome white belt any of us had ever seen. Well, anyway, this guy, Dre Gardner in Vegas, uh, 50-some years old, a yoga instructor does those – you've heard of him, Noah. He does those silence of asanas where they bring in hundreds of people to these casinos, to the strip, they have these great views and they do a lot of mantras and music and they do outdoor yoga sessions. They ch- sometimes get hundreds of people. Anyway, Dre just got his blue belt. And again, I remind him, like, dude, you're like the one in one in one hundred and fifty, the one in two hundred that will stay to even get the blue belt, not top of the pyramid, but to even get the blue belt. You're in that category too, know it is a bigger deal than people think it is, right? see so somebody meets you and the Noah's a blue belt. It's a, they, people don't realize how hard it is to get a blue belt, how many people are weeded out. And what's mm-hmm. the number one reason, the number one and two reasons for the weed out, for so many people stopping by and not sticking around, not committing, what's the the, the number one and two reason? Number one, <laughs> it's hard work. It's hard work after a long day of work. It's hard work, it's not money. Yep money is not what keeps it's not the 120 or 150 or 200 a month that's not the reason that people don't stick around they may tell themselves that reason that is not the reason the reason number one reason is this is hard work when i don't feel like it and i could get myself hurt and now let's go deeper to what you're saying can i offer some suggestions then and 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 uh, and let me speak for a couple more minutes. That I want you to speak because I'll go on forever and I won't shut up. Which I, I know you don't like when I do that. So, oh, I don't. Just it's put okay. It's all good. Yeah, let me put a couple points in. You can add to that, and then we'll come back because there's a lot. There's a lot to this. A lot of layers. This is a beautiful topic we're talking about, Noah. So mm-hmm. let's go to where Noah is. He's having this pain in his knee, and you're doing a cert- only one stretch helps you with it. And, you know, you're not able to train the way you want to right now because COVID has thrown this curveball in the world. And a lot of us have been detached from our academy. So I would say there are things like the CBD oils and things like that that, that, that I hear my friends rave about that are working wonderfully. That's a possibility for people that are into that. I would prefer the non-marijuana one myself. But and then even even the CBD oils, that's a rabbit hole because you have to go. They're not all created equal some are much higher quality so that's its own rabbit hole i'm not an expert on that one but if we talk about all natural methods the one thing i would recommend for anybody who's having that pain is an Epsom salt bath get the Epsom salt bath you can get it with a lavender and i would recommend the hard thing is even if i tell people to do it it's 20 minutes a night or each night before you go to bed you're going to sleep like a baby it's gonna help reset your biological clock. You know, you're gonna sleep, it's gonna regenerate a lot of stuff. It could help your hormones, your testosterone, cause you're sleeping deeper, right? You're getting an even deeper REM. It is relaxing, it's so magnesium rich, it's going to relax the body. It's a natural relaxer, which is so important for those of us that get wound up throughout the course of the day. You're a busy guy, right? You know, all the stresses that come, it naturally relaxes those muscles. It 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 it's it's a great hydrator so it flushes the minerals when the hydration goes to the cells, it's taking and transporting the minerals to get to those places that are getting neglected when you sit all day. That blood flow, those nutrients don't have a conversation with that area. The microinflammation is going to be bigger. So that Epsom salt baths, I'd say three, four, five times a week, 20 minutes a night, two cups, two to two to two and a half cups that magnesium is fantastic on so many levels because the vast majority of people are magnesium deficient that's going to help your hydration that is that's fantastic it's long-term sustainable too, know right so so that's a starting place for people who maybe don't want to go you know they're not quick to go the prescription drug route maybe they don't want to go cbd cbd is you know you got to get a high quality of that but this is something that most people can do um, as a starting place in addition to what you're saying the stretches. So this is interesting. My my brother, who's about my age, when he the less he works out, the more pain he has, right? So that's a that's that's a paradox, right? A lot of times people think, Well, I'm older, I have pain, so do nothing. Well, doing oh, man, nothing, no. that's you're, worse. You're, you're gonna have a lot of problems. There's a mm-hmm. balance point. We don't have to go to the to the gym and max bench press but we do have to still use that body to keep it lubricated to keep the blood flowing to keep the nutrients going to keep when you sedentary uh things get tight tension comes in the body and so not to mention the micro inflammation that people have in their body a lot of that micro inflammation which starts the cascade of pain a lot of that is not necessarily injury it is di- it is diet related it is sedentary related You can can start a lot of inflammation in the body slowly, just by bad diet, just by bad hydration, just by sedentariness. We're We're starting the cascade of inflammation and inflammation is a precursor to pain. So in other words, when people are not very physically active, when their diet and their hydration off, of course, when their stress levels are high, they're going to have a lot more inflammation in the body. And when there's a lot more inflammation in the body, there is the potential for a lot more pain. So somebody who's in better shape, who who uses their exercise of their body daily and eats healthier, even with a lot of miles on their body, is going to have a lot less pain usually than somebody who's not doing those things. Right. So Noah, you're I know you're always thinking according to what I'm saying. What are your thoughts and or go deeper with what you want to go want to talk about with this pain management?
1: I there's no daylight. Uh of disagreement, disagreement between us. You cannot, you know, there's no, no question, um, what you're saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've laid it out for you. It's been, Oh, we're many months into this pandemic and it's, so it's been taxing on everyone on this planet. (laughs) It is definitely a pandemic. You know, um, you know, I, I restarted my, uh, gym membership you know, just a local gym. And uh, last, I think it was Saturday, it could be Sunday, I don't remember. Uh, I was, you know, working on um, the BOSU ball. And where, you know, put the flat side down so you have the bubble side up. And all I'm doing is just doing my little, uh, my, my little stabilization balance uh, exercises. You know, first I'll get on there, And the bolster ball has, you know, they have – it it has rings around it that's imprinted over the, uh, what looks like, like a you know, rubber, you know, the rubber top. And so uh, this is with shoes on. No, I take my shoes off. So I just have my socks. Uh, And, you know, I'll work out from being a wide stance to bringing my feet together. And then, you know, depending on how that feels, you know, I'll start to go in where I'm doing – deeper squats, I'm not doing active squats up, down, up, down, but I'm going down and like, it's, it's more like yoga, uh, at a very slow pace, you know, where I'm working in the ankle muscles and getting the quads to fire up. And doing that requires a lot of stabilization in the abs, in the back, you know, and it's, you're working, you know, you, the, the, you're working the uh, neuromuscular coordination, and your spine is going nuts. And I know that because I did that, um, because I did that exercise, that fired up this sciatica pain even more. And um, I did do one Epsom salt bath this week. I need to get some cheaper Epsom salt. Uh, to, to be honest, there's, a, you know, there's a um, Dr. Shoals. I think it's like five bucks a, a bag. You recommend. Two to two and a half cups, I'd be going through a, that five pound bag pretty fast if I if I use two two and a half cups. Uh, but really, that you know, I didn't think about it. that's quite a lot of uh, of Epsom salt. Um, um, that's um, but you you recommend that much?
0: Yes, you you know those float tanks that Joe Rogan. I, I've done those float tanks. You know, Rogan has. I've always wanted to on his, on his podcast. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Float yeah. tanks. Those float tanks are like literally like they've got like, you know, <laughs> like hundreds of pounds of Epsom salt in there. Right. So they've got it, It's like an ocean. Right. It's not just the two. And that really. And, you know, so you talk about the level of relaxation and and the amount of magnesium that the body is absorbing there, um, the, the level of relaxation. So when you talk about this is the interesting thing, Noah just by relaxing you you know how we talk about all the stresses of life just by relaxing you guess what you naturally do if we were to put you you know someone's some you go somewhere to whatever someone goes to a spa or you go to get a massage or you go you're in that epsom salt bat when you hit that level of relaxation guess what your guess what your mind does it lets go it lets Mm -hmm. go of all the things the monkey mindedness all the things we're worrying about naturally in a state of relaxation that's what we do we let go we just surrender to to the moment right when you're when it's 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 a contradiction it's almost an impossibility to say hey I'm relaxed and be thinking of a hundred things it's almost impossible or to be stressed hey I'm super relaxed but you're You know, you're throwing things, you got you're short tempered when that Epsom salt for people who say for people who would say to me, Frank, I don't know how to relax. My life is too fast. I would just say very simply at the end of the night before they go to bed, put the cell phone down. Right. Put it on. Turn the volume off. Put it on airplane mode or something. Go in that Epsom salt bath for 20 minutes and just let yourself go. And after a couple minutes, it'll kick in and then you're gonna sleep like a baby. And that habit, because you know, you and I have talked about sort of when we, when we roto-rooter our life, we're like, look, for those of us, when we're at a point where our life is in a mess, let's forget about jujitsu for a second, let's just say when any of us feels like, man, my life is a mess, or I don't like these things about my life, right? Or I'm a high performer, but I don't like these things. I keep doing these things. And when you go and you say, okay, let's put our life under a microscope. Let's sit there like you do and a lot of really high function people do. Let's put down on paper. Let's map out the day from the time I wake up at 4.45 or 5 a.m. What am I doing? Let's not just 10 things, not just 20 things. Some people can fill that baby with 100 things, right? Very fine level of detail. And when you look at where the day starts, You could make an argument that the day starts not when you wake up, but when you go to bed. Your next day starts, right? Your next day starts, your sleep tonight is preparation for mastering tomorrow. So the moment that last 30 minutes or so before you go to bed, if we imagine that on the continuum, like that 30 minutes before I go to bed, is a part of my 24-hour like mastering my day right me the, the best frank and the best habits and what we're going to do you love this stuff those ebbs and salt baths like anything like breathing right like hickson his hicks and gracie talking about breathing and people and and everybody knows that breathing is great for you and it can make you a more poised fighter it can slow the fight down it can help your cardio Right. It can help your recovery. Everybody knows that. How many people do we know that master breathing, Noah? How many do yeah. you know personally? How many do you even know? What three, the heck? Two, one. How many people? There's a lot. Who, who do we, any of us know? I've been in the fight sports all these years. Hicks and Gracie might be the only. And I'm not saying there aren't a couple others, but in a sport where there's probably millions of people doing it now. And, and I've been doing this a long time and as far as known mastery there's Hickson there might be a few others but the simplest thing is very hard because the simplest thing is the thing people also neglect because they're just like it's too good to be true breathing it's boring it's this come on so you you can't get most people to pay attention to their breathing for two minutes if you ask people to truly focus on their breath for two minutes there would probably be a 99% fail rate or 98%, right? He's like, go. Most people can't do it. Two two minutes of only contr- following your breathing, it's like it's so hard, right? Well, guess what? The Epsom salt is not as good as mastering your breathing, but it's one of those simple, easy things you can do that's so phenomenal, just like yoga is. Just like yoga is. It's there how many people want to do it. We have these things. Breathing. Breathing exercises, they work. The Navy SEALs tell us where they work. The best fighters tell us they work. Bruce Lee told us how many people do it. Very few. Yoga works. How many people do that consistently and most don't. Epsom salt baths are amazing. How many people want to do them? Very few. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about here, when we really want to get people, when we have solutions that can help them with pain or self-improvement, what we're really talking about is what's the block in their brain that's keeping them from doing simple things like not even we're not reinventing the wheel here with with any of this, like what's the block that keeps us and I have my areas of my life, you know that I have areas of my life where I'm the student, where I'm lagging. I have areas where I'm high performing. What's the block in people that gets them to be like, I don't want to do the F's and so I don't want to do breathing exercises. I don't want to do much yoga. I don't want to do that. What's the block? I don't want to eat healthy. You know, it's really roto-rootering into our subconscious and saying, "Why?" You, you know, you've seen me around computers with some of the things that are easy for other people, and and, I, and they're not easy for me, right? And and, I, and 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 I get I get annoyed or whatever by it. But what is that block for any of us? And say. Why can't I spend five minutes a day, just five minutes a day working on my breathing? And if I worked on my breathing, Noah, for just five minutes a day, that would help my breathing throughout the day. Because even if I wasn't conscious, by consciously paying attention to your breathing for five minutes, it would help you through the other, the rest of the day, subconsciously, you would breathe better than you otherwise would breathe just because of five minutes, it would have a carryover effect.
1: Um, during one of my meditation practices this week, again, I use uh, Sam Harris's waking up app. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have the paid version, uh, Just, but it, it's the same, uh, pretty much the same. Anyone can get it, get access to it. I, he's had a policy. I don't know if he's changed it, but he's had a policy of, you know, if you're, you cannot afford it. You know, just write and write an email, and they'll give you a one-year free um, access to it. And um, I want to bring this up because I want to. I want to talk about the particular uh, the meditation changes every day. There's a 10-minute and a 20-minute version. I, I always use, I I just default automatically to the 20-minute because I think that uh, as much time, you know I need as much as I can get. And there's, Sorry. you know, yeah, yeah, well, I wasn't going to bother you about your uh, angle, your, your camera angle perspective there, but. Sorry, the buddy. Is that a little yeah, better? You could, yeah, that's good. Um, what, what's important is not the medium, but the message.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Um, and just to practice, you're getting
0: a lot more comfortable on camera now. Now, Noah, you know, in the beginning, you're getting, you're, you're. We're starting to see new, um, a new evolution of your 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 camera prowess and presence.
1: Uh, oh, this is me saying stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Well, l- let me go in because I'm a little bit in my head right now. Um, pain does that to you. <laughs> um, the, one of the meditations this week, and I want to share this with you because, uh, you know, I, I think that it's interesting to share with you, uh, some kind of like magic that happens when to share this with you, uh, cause I have a couple things to say about it. But the practice that, that, that this particular night that I sat down to practice, um, is you just if i can have anyone who's listening to this right now f- pick a spot in your field of view right now and just notice that spot and in just in just the moment i say the word blink stop looking stop thinking about looking at that spot but thinking about you as the viewer From what you're seeing. So your entire field of vision. And try to see out. But look in. To your perspective. What you're viewing. You as the viewer. Blink. And so Sam Harris. As he's saying these things. He would say blink. And in that moment. As your monkey mind gets distracted. Go back to. Looking back at you. By looking out. That is such a weird and startling thing to do. You start to really practice it and practice it some more. And just say blink. And every time, you know, you have this little you know word, it brings you back to, you know, like look back, you know, as you're looking out in that space, see the watcher. yourself
0: it's that it sounds like is is it is it a form of i know it's a form of where you're placing your focus your awareness but is it is that sounds almost like a neuro-linguistic programming technique where you're just you know you're you're triggering you have a word or a phrase that triggers a whole uh a certain feeling or a certain emotion or a certain state of being state of mind i don't i'm
1: not qualified to to, to really classify whether he's doing that or not, but he does it through the snap of his fingers. But I use the word blink just, uh, just because, you know, what, what he's, his intent and way he explains it, that, that he wants you to change that perspective from looking out to looking out, but looking back in, uh, do, not to do that gradually, but to do it instantly, Immediately and in the time that you hear the, you know, the, the word, you know, or the, 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 signal blink. And, um, so I was doing that and there's a thought process that I fall into sometimes. Um, and I want, and this is why I'm introducing this. And it has a lot to do with pain, by the way, it has a lot to do with all of the, Habitual, um, habitual mental scripts in our heads, and as I'm doing that practice, and, and especially with pain, is not to think about what I normally do, but to approach it as though I am, I am someone else. I am not me. Anymore, but I am, uh, I am attempting to view these problems not as the typical me, but as someone else. And this is a little bit like what Joe Rogan says on his podcast about imagine as though when he when he says this, he says imagine as though you were the hero in the movie, and you just got started and you are at the bottom you're you are um you know you you have a very poor diet you are in um you're in a bad you know whatever kind of bad scenario situation that you might find yourself in and what he says is imagine yourself as the hero of your story and and you have a camera crew following you throughout that day and you are instead of doing your habitual choice do the things that the hero would do in the movie and in in that hero's journey. Um, And that exercise of the blink with what Sam Harris said, I was by stopping to look out at, from a subject object perspective, you know, me and my relationship with the pain, instead of saying, Oh, this, you know, this pain, this knee hurts me. Doing that practice, that mental um, transformation—it is an immediate transformation, where I stop going down that same path and say, "How would how would someone? You know, you have these mental models about." And, and don't laugh at me, but I was imagining. Well, how would Tom Cruise handle this? You know, being not Tom Cruise, the flawed who, person. Who was,
0: who was a high school wrestler back in New Jersey, by the way? I didn't Thomas know. Thomas yeah. Cruise, Thomas Cruise, Mapather, he dropped the Mapother, went with Cruise. But I digress. His idol, just an interesting factoid. Who do you think, really quick, who do you think Tom Cruise's idol was growing up? Still, as I don't know, make, making blockbuster movies, they asked him once, who's your idol? You've heard of him. you heard of him. He's, an, he's a wrestler
1: uh oh you're talking about that great wrestler um dan, dan uh, gable dan, dan gable.
0: gable yes he, he lists props to tom Cruise for listing dan gable as his, his idol. like okay I've, keep going
1: but yeah and i'm not talking about tom cruise the person i'm only talking about tom cruise um you know because that's tom cruise the flawed individual i'm talking about the the tom cruise character you know, in that he plays in his movies because let's make no doubt about it. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise, the person is very flawed. Um, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to <laughs> criticize Tom Cruise. Come on, uh, Come
0: on. no, no, I don't know. We don't know him. Come on. Yeah. No,
1: I don't No, I don't want to bash him. I just, it's just what I know about him jumping on the couch and being mean to Brooke Shields. Um, <laughs> well, we'll leave that alone. Um, uh, so, anyways, all, all I'm saying is, you know, taking together with what is Joe Rogan's advice, and, and you know, we're smashing it together and saying, okay, you know, if I'm in pain and I do this meditation, you know, like Sam Harris meditation, and then I'm also stacking with that as my, you know, this is a stack, you, you know, in tech, um, in, in information technology, you have your tech stack, you know, which is like, well, I have uh, this kind of programming language with these kind of apps with these kind of, to do certain things. You know okay, what a stack bring, is. Let's
0: bring. I'm this coming. Back down. I'm coming.
1: Ca- Stand by. To yeah. Man, I'm to
0: every man every coming, man.
1: I am. Yeah. No, no. I am. I'm coming right back to it. No, a, a stack is is like what's your? You know, some people talk about different stacks and you're stacking things. If I'm stacking uh, my Meditation layer with my yoga layer to address the pain, you know, because I'm doing jujitsu. Well, there's a mindset thing that I'm also, you know, like referring to here. And it's that instant flip of looking out, but looking, uh, but of rewriting the script instantaneously and picking a character to do it.
0: This is, uh, so by the way, th- this this has been done, right? This has been done. The Greeks did it. People did it in re- with religions. They did it with Christ mm-hmm. as a you know emulate, do as Jesus would do. Uh, Elvis used to talk about being the hero of everything he ever saw. He said that at acceptance speeches. And yes, it is it is a technique, and uh, it can certainly uh, help a lot of people. Um, some people would say not. Elvis wouldn't say just do. What the hero would do he would imagine and he would imagine himself as that hero not just copying the hero or emulating but actually being that is at his, his elbow. Mm. let me go to something though that i think so i gave a, a number of speeches on pain and pain management that i saw that worked for me because i had my own you know what i've said this before when i got my black belt I was at a loss for words in the moment that I got it. And I was speechless. I was literally speechless. And I, there wasn't, you know, it was one of those moments where, um, it's amazing how it was almost like every, all those thousands of hours on the mat, like it's like my brain had this memory of those thousands of hours and it had the memories of, of, of driving home and the inner monologue of how much longer can I do this? I mean, am i going to be yeah. able, literally literally people will think i'm exaggerating i'm not exaggerating when i can say that when i had my neck surgery and i had a titanium plate in my neck which i still have c6 c7 okay, a steel plate in the neck like that that, that they went through the front there were many days where i was like what's my life going to be like at 50 am i going to have to use prescription drugs am i going to have to have pain am i going to have to stop exercising Am I going to have to sit at my computer as a writer and live with pain? This is a real thing. This is not something that was just fleeting. I was worried. I was concerned. Am I hurting my future by the training that I'm doing and the things that I'm doing? Am I hurting my future? I want to live a long life. I want to do a lot of things. I want Mm -hmm. my body, my vessel to work. That was there, buddy. That was. And so getting the black belt was like, it was like. There were, it's like, you're, it's like if you're swimming and you're lost at sea and you feel like you're drowning and you're fighting, you're swimming and you're doggy paddling and you're waiting for the right wave or the right thing that's going to take you into the shore and it doesn't come and you're sitting there, there's times where you think, should I just, you know, am I going to make it back? Am I going to make it back into shore? Am I going to make it? Right? Am going Am I going to be able to do this? Was this a bad idea? Should I go back? You know, should I go to where I'm swimming to? Should I go back? Whatever. There were so many of those moments and and deep in my soul. Even though, I, like, a younger Frank would have earned that black belt fairly easily. I was just built and wired, like, so hard-nosed. If I had started jiu-jitsu when I was 9 or 10, you know, you trained for 10 years, bro, my body was built for that. I didn't start till I was 30. I already had neck problems. I already had a 27-inch scar down my right leg. I already had a lot of injuries. I already had... A lot of shoulder problems and finger problems and and rib, you know, broken ribs and things. I already had a lot of injuries before that, before I even started. So and I had already pushed my body. So so what I would say that worked very well for me and yoga touches on this. It touches on this. The question that a lot of people have to ask: There's different types of pain. Some pain, acute pain is very real. If I punch the shed as hard as I can right now, that's probably a bad idea. And I'm betting that most of us, including elite fighters, including the elite fighters, if we punch the shed as hard as we could, I'm betting something in the hand probably breaks or is messed up for weeks. I would bet that with almost anybody, no matter how elite, if they punch this hard little wood shed here as hard as they could, that's, that's a real pain. That's an acute pain, right? That's not a in your brain. But this is the interesting thing about pain, Noah, that I've learned from my time in the trenches. This is my, re- my 30-some years, my body of research. I have found that a lot of, you know, Bruce Lee used to say, you're as tired as you think you are, right? That applies to pain as well, meaning you are a lot of times as hurt as you think you are. With the exception of those acute injuries where you broke this or you tore that or your hand or your shoulder hit this hard or your shoulder came out of socket, those are real injuries. Those are not in your head. But a lot of pain is like a lot of fatigue. Fatigue is a form of pain. A lot of people could go a lot further. What's the problem? Where do they place their awareness on the fatigue, on the pain? If most people were to go in a UFC fight and they were to get hit at 20%, Right. Let's say 10 percent of what a lot of these fighters get hit. Let's say, a, you know, let's take a UFC fighter that doesn't even hit that hard. Let's take a UFC fighter that doesn't even knock people out. Right. They exist. Jake Shields and others. But doesn't don't even hit that hard. If most people got hit by 20 percent of Jake Shields power, 25 percent, they'd be like, oh, ah oh, they'd, they'd freak out. Right. They'd they'd sue them. They'd whatever. Right. How much of that reaction? is actual that's pain and how much of that is a lack of awareness or a hyper awareness and an overreaction guess what if jake shields went consensually and hit 100 people at 30 percent you'd probably you'd have a ton of people that be like oh my god that hurts so bad why is that reaction there when if he was to hit pro fighters they'd be like oh my god that doesn't hurt very bad and he could hit them a hundred times and most of them wouldn't be knocked out, right? Because how much of that pain is our own perception, our own awareness? People know if we we went to people right now, we said, listen, everybody, I grabbed a hundred people at random in my neighborhood. And I said, let's go run three miles, right? I mean, even if we got them out of the house and a hundred people at random came, There are going to be so many reactions of, well, I don't like doing this. I'm tired. I want to walk it. Now, guess what? If we change it up and we said, listen, someone we love is three miles away. We can't get there any other way than we have to run or walk or whatever as fast as we can. Guess what? Guess what the perception of that three miles is now? The pain and all that. It ain't that bad because during that run, to save whoever, to save your buddy, to save your wife, to save your child, whatever, you ain't thinking about, oh my God, my lungs. Oh my God, my legs. Oh my goodness, you ain't thinking about that. It's it's an awareness thing. You're thinking about, I gotta get there to help so-and-so. I gotta get there. It's not just adrenaline, It's, 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 it's awareness. People think that's all just adrenaline. That's not just adrenaline. The reason that fighters can take those punches a lot of times it's not just adrenaline that's BS even it with no adrenaline mo, it, with the exception of the really big punchers most really good pro fighters could take a lot of shots without adrenaline and it wouldn't hurt them they're built that way they're they're, they're, they're why wi- they're mentally wired that way they're physically wired that way where they can a lot of these fighters could take a hundred 125 punches in a fight and they're fine they're relatively speaking yeah. right because so and again how much of that is awareness and how much of that is psychology? Because when you hit the fighters that have the really good chins, right? We could go into well, what makes for a good chin and you know, how much of its cardio, how much of its neck whip and neck power and neck muscles. We can go into that. But but bottom line, we know that a lot of the fighters that can take damage, and I'm and I'm I'm saying guys that aren't even hurt, guys that have great chins that get hit by they get hit by most shots and are like, that doesn't even hurt right? They're not, they're not stuttering, they're nothing. Well, how much of that is mental? How much of that is not just neck muscles and physiology and neck whip and seeing the punches? How much of that is just mentally this fighter has has mentally prepared him or herself to say, that doesn't hurt. I'm not going to overreact to that, right? So this is a very important thing, this, this notions of pain, are related not just to adrenaline, they're related to awareness, they're related to mental toughness, they are related to cardiovascular fitness, they can be related to how strong your muscles are in certain areas of your body, they can be related to how tight is your body, how much stretching do you do. But there's many things when people think of pain, they automatically just think, well my body's betraying me and my body hurts. They don't think about all these other things that are in their control. Their awareness, their mental toughness, their hydration, their nutrition, their flexibility, that are t- their 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 diet that are hugely related to their pain management. They've done with with prescription drugs, okay? With prescription drugs, they've done studies. Their best bet from the research I've seen, their best bet is that about 37 to 37, 37 to 38 percent of the effectiveness of prescription drugs, at least 37 to 38 percent is placebo. Is placebo, okay? More than a third. That's why they do the double blind trials and all this. They have to factor in placebo, and then there's a nocebo effect, which you've talked about before in here. With that, I would argue, Noah, just me as a philosopher, as more of a mystic, as more of an intuitivist. As more of a spiritualist, I would argue that the placebo is probably closer to 50%, that they actually have it wrong. If that's true, that at least 37 to 38 is placebo, and someone like me says they that's even wrong, and let's say half of it, well, when you start getting into pain, I would argue that even more than half of that is 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 psychological, it's awareness, it's diet, it's those things. It's not, oh, this is just. My body's just no. It's not. That's not. It, these are very. In general, I would say pain in general is a very manageable and controllable thing. W- in general, without prescription drugs, just by the things that I'm talking about. That's been my dharma, my truth in this martial arts and wrestling dance that I've had for thirty some years now. Noah, welcome to the show. I mean, Jordan, welcome to the show, buddy. What's up, guys? Um, sorry, I didn't even realize
2: today was Sunday. i seen, I seen, your take <laughs> I was like, Oh shit, I'll jump in. Sorry about that guys.
1: That's um, awesome. How have you been Jordan? Um, um yeah, it's I've, been a minute.
2: Yeah, it's been a little bit, man. I was absent last week because this fucking guy, oh, excuse my language. Just this, this dang guy broke my arm. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is break is, your arm, it
0: break is your arm literally broken? So I don't go to the doctor, Frank. I don't believe in doctors. So, well, um, so tell me, I, um, tell me what's going on with your arm. What, what are the symptoms of your arm?
2: So right now, um, the swelling has went down a lot. My arm is still swollen. I can't fully extend. I don't think I. Uh, so I, I've done a bunch of research and stuff like that. It sounds like I've torn some tendons or some ligaments. Like I've, I've almost a thousand percent tore some tendon or some ligament in my arm. My arm was in a. You, you know like uh, my arm was in an arm bar man my arm bent backwards in an arm bar like he completely broke he just oh. completely bent my arm backwards
0: in an arm bar so I didn't did you did, break did, did, did you that? could you have tapped a lot sooner no Jordan were you being stubborn could you have tapped a lot sooner were you fighting it a lot
2: mm, I suppose I mean it was it was in the heat of the moment type of thing Frank I definitely wasn't being stubborn like, I was being a little bit stubborn because money was on the line, but, like, the situation, how it happened, I slapped hands with the guy, we tied up, um, we wrestled for just a little bit, I pulled guard, and I tried to enter into ashi, which I do countless times, I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of times, but I, in the heat of the moment, I, like, and, like, back, I don't know, man, I could not get woken up like I just felt sluggish
1: oh lost his audio hey George, we lost your audio we lost your audio dude can you hear me I'll bring it back in
0: um, yeah, let me let me let me add to that for a second so when I was a white belt, I want to tell you about one of the worst injuries I ever had in jiu Um Let's see if he comes back here. There he is. Let, let, let Jordan continue. I'll tell you about. I'll I'll tell people about the, one of the worst ones I had, which is similar. Go ahead, Jordan. Welcome back, buddy.
2: Hey, um, can you see me? Okay. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're up. There we go. Hi, right. see me all right, so yeah, so like I'm saying, I I do this off entry like a thousand times before. I left my arm behind. Jeez, uh, and now it's
1: echoing on me.
2: Yeah, um, getting me a little bad feeling.
1: Sorry. Okay. Okay, it's cool. And I got this kitty cat coming into the scene as well. Hey, yeah. this place. Is, you know, we don't. We don't.
0: What, our podcast is at what's, be- what's your cat's name, Noah? Bo is in Boudreaux. How do you spell it? B-O.
1: Like <laughs> but Boudreau. <laughs>
0: well Boudreaux, I was thinking like B E A U X like a oh. spelling.
1: Friend-
0: yeah, yeah. B O
1: U. B O U. B O U. But uh yeah, he's a yo, yo. he had another name, but I changed it. Um when I you guys you. yeah, you're good now. Yeah, go ahead. Fire away, man. I'll if I wave my hands, you'll know that I lost you again.
2: All right, so yeah, I do that ASHI entry. I never leave my arm behind when I do the entry. Um, I've done it a thousand times in training. People have tried to jump on this arm bar of hundreds of times. I've never once gotten caught on this arm bar ever, ever, ever. I know the arm bar entry is there, but I've I've never once gotten caught in the arm bar entry. People have tried to take it in the past, but I've never I've never left my arm out there in training before. Unfortunately, this day I was just operating kind of sluggishly. Um, and for whatever reason, I left my arm behind just a little bit. And you cannot leave your arm behind. The dude's a black belt world champion. His name's like Manny Marino or something like that. He's uh, the instructor at Aries BJJ. And man, he snatched my arm up, man. My arm was completely like when he took my arm, it's not like I had to defend it and like my arm was like curled in. My arm was ex- completely extended out when he snatched the arm. And so and and so like let me let me try and uh, give some visual representation here. So let's see, my hands where my hands are. Okay, so my hand was fully extended, Frank, and my I reached out to try and grab my hand, and I was I had my hands on like the underside like this, and I was trying to recurl my arm to me. You know what I mean? But. Since my arm was already extended and I was my other hand, my free hand was on the other underside of my knuckles. If I would have let go to tap, my arm would have uh, pretty much. I was doing an arm curl and I had my hand underneath my knuckles, so I had like a double arm curl going on. So my arm was somewhat structurally enforced where I thought it wasn't going to break. And if I would have let my arm come out, it there's a good chance it would have broke anyway because if my arm was completely extended so my only option my only good option was to Verbally scream out tap was to verbally like my both my arms were tied up If I would have let my arm go to tap then he would have broke my arm anyway So I thought in my head to verbally scream out and literally yell out tap 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 and I just didn't want to do that man I just <laughs> I just didn't want to do that so I just tried to turn into him as hard as I could and as soon as I tried to turn into him my arm black snapped and as soon as it snapped, he, he he knew he broke it. He got up. He was like cringing. He was like, oh, my God, oh, like, oh, my God. He was even more freaked out than me. He, like, he knew he broke my arm real bad. But, yeah, man, it is what it is. We live, this is a, this is a hurt sport, man. Sometimes you break, sometimes you get broken. You can't make mistakes at the black belt level. I was competing against a black belt in a black belt tournament. You can't make mistakes like that. You have to be ready to go. And I was not ready to go, and I made a mistake, and, Now I have to live with the injury and the consequence.
0: Now, this is, you know, we've talked about arm bars here on the show before, where I've said it before. A lot of the best arm bars are going to be verbal tap arm bars, right? They're going to be too, they happen too quick. The people that are phenomenal at arm bars in general. They're bang bang because they're hard to get. I mean, arm bars are not just a dime a dozen. When you if you go yeah. against a regular person, arm bars are everywhere, right? If you go against someone who's highly trained, or then the arm bars are not easy to get for most people. So when they are there, they're quick, bam, bam, ah. You know, the arms got to be yep. got to be so extended, Jordan. I, I will say, and, and this may this may be consolation to you just in terms of healing and you know, because you you're really not an injury-prone guy. You haven't had a lot of injuries. You've been doing this for a number of years. I had a I had a similar experience when I was a white belt. I went to Torrance, California to a Hegan Machado tournament. Hegan Machado had a tournament. I think there were like 18 guys in the bracket. So I'm a white belt in my first tournament. And it was uh, 18 people there 165 and under and they conjoined, they combined the blue and the and the white. So they were like, here I am a white belt. Oh, wow. The program, right? They throw me in with all the blue belts and they throw <laughs> me in with guys that are like 15, 20 pounds heavier too, right? So, now the good news was I got five matches that day. I got, as a white belt bro, imagine this in 2003, 2004, you get five matches in a tournament. That never happened in 2003, 2004. The sport wasn't big enough, right? Yeah, that's So a deal. Not like Not like Mikey Musamechi, really quick. When Mikey Musamechi was going to tournaments as a kid in Florida or whatever, they said they would sign little Mikey up for like four different divisions, and he would be doing four divisions simultaneously. They would call him onto one mat. He would compete. Then like a couple minutes later, they'd call him to another mat. Then they would call, he was in four divisions. He told me that. Mikey said there were tournaments where he was in four different divisions. They were just, he was just running, you know, crisscrossing the mats all day, like getting all these matches in, right? That's how you produce a Mikey McMusabechi. But anyway, I go all this way. I get five matches in. One of the guys I faced was a blue belt named Na- named uh, Nam Fan. Now, Nam Fan fought in the U.S. You know Nam Fan? You fought- had a match against yeah. Nam Fan? Yeah, I got to I got to compete against Nam Fan Like 2003, 2004, Nam Fan was was later on the Ultimate Fighter. Right, he fought a bunch of pro fights. I recognize that name. Nam Fan Nam Fan back then, like 2004, 2005, Nam Fan was the real deal, man. Like Nam Fan was known. You'll like this, Jordan. He was known for the knee bars at a time when nobody was really doing them. You know, Eric, Eric. Um, Gosh, what's his name? Eric uh the guy, God, I, I can't think of Eric's name, but Eric, one of the great coaches in MMA. Eric uh Paul Schmidt Paul. Oh Eric Paulson. You had guys like Eric Paulson and Matt Hume, but you didn't, and you had this, you had the Sambo guys, but in Jiu Jitsu and submission grappling, you didn't have the heel hookers. You didn't have the knee bars. Well, guess what? Nam Fan had a nasty, awesome knee bar man back then. His knee bars were awesome. He and he would get them from weird places, kind of like with the guys with the heel hooks. The great knee bar guys get those knee bars from weird angles. You have this false sense of security. So I went to face Nam Fan, and uh, I had won, I think I won, yeah, I won three matches that day. I, I wound up losing two. I had, had one. That was a hard day. So so this is what happened. I won three matches. I won three matches. Then I had to face Nam Fan. We were the semifinals, so Nam Fan, I, I face him. I go out. No, I'm a wrestler. I'm like, I'm gonna take him down, pass his guard, do whatever. I go out. I double leg Nam Fan. I pick him up. I pick him up, nice, right? Boom. I didn't slam him, but I picked him up. Boom. Nice, man. Nice. Looking good. Look good for the camera, right? For the for the video. Take him down to the mat. As soon as I hit the mat, boom. He he swings in to an armbar scenario. He's got he's got my arm now. And what do I do? Wipe out Frank, not knowing any better. I do what you shouldn't do, which is instead of staying on the ground, and you you were talking about the word earlier, stacking him, which is what you should do, stack him and keep your arm here. When you are when you got a guy with arm bar, you want to try to keep your arm in here, even when you stack him and you want to stack him. And you want to slow exit the arm bar. You can do the hitchhiker and all that. There's a bunch of things you can do, but one of the common would be the hitchhiker. Well, the hitchhiker wasn't there. And my arm wasn't extended. So I would, what I should have done is stacked him. I should have st- stayed low, stayed patient, and pulled my arm out. It might have taken me 30, 45 seconds. Well, I thought I was quitting Rampage Jackson. I did the rookie mistake, what you shouldn't do. I had him, and I started to stand up. I started to oh stand up. Oh, my goodness. My arm is hanging there. Nam fan's 165 pounds, big legs, big tree trunk thighs. And the referee can hear my arm popping. So I didn't even hear it because I did have the adrenaline. So I didn't feel the pain. I would not tap. I knew I was supposed to tap. I I had been training jujitsu for six, seven months. I knew I should have tapped. But I was so so pissed off. And I was thinking, man, I'm going to get out of this. And then I'm going to beat him, right? The referee, I didn't tap. I didn't verbally tap. I didn't physically tap. The referee heard the arm and stopped. I didn't say anything. Stopped it. Right, mm. so I I leave the mat, and and now I'm aware of what just. Happened. I didn't realize in the heat of it that that my arm was being popped, whatever. Well, anyway, yes. they give they give me, yeah, they give me a bunch of ice. Th- this is a true story. They give me this a is... bunch of ice, and I'm, and I'm and I'm and I go up in the stands, right, and I'm pissed. I mean, like I'm kind of, Jordan, probably was too. Like was nothing so personal mad. against NAMF fans, so but I mad. was pissed. Sadly, yeah, right? one – yeah, I won three matches. I wasn't thinking he's a blue belt, he's an am fan. I was pissed. So I'm sitting there icing my arm. They come up to me, like, how's your arm? So yeah. I said, Listen, this is double elimination. I want my next match. I was three and one. I'm like, I want my next match. Like, are you sure? Your arm got popped. The referee. I said, no, I won't call my name. When that next match is up, I'm in. So I had another match on that popped arm, right? Go I went out there. That was a heartbreaking loss. I was winning that match two to nothing, took the guy down, and got caught in a triangle. At the we like a, you know in the UFC where there's the dude there's the last like you know there's the last six seconds literally bro. Like that one that one would eat at me. I should have I should have got passed out. But anyway, I got caught in a triangle, so I went back. So th- this is where I'm going with this story for for Jordan. I had you know we drove back to California. I was living in Utah, so we drove back. Took us seven eight hours to get back. That's a longer drive back. When you when you lose, it's a longer drive back. When you get your arm popped and you can hear, and, and now it's starting to swell up, it's a longer, that, that seven-hour drive back might as well be, you know, 40 hours driving back. Because a lot of stuff goes through your head. You're like, man, what did I do? Like Jordan is probably thinking, when can I train next, right? How long am I going to be out? How's my arm? Is my arm going to heal? Is the damage worse than I think? Anyway, this is the point of the story. The next day, that thing blew up on me. That thing was like, you know, it was like this, man. Like that thing blew up, right? I couldn't, like Jordan Scrap. I couldn't straighten my arm. That thing blew up, man, and I had to keep icing, icing, icing. So it took about two months. I was about 30, 31 years old. It took about two months for that thing to heal to where I felt like my arm was back. But this is the point I want to make to people. Guess what? Knock on wood. It's very hard to catch me in an arm bar ever since then. That's the one thing it gave me. The one thing it gave me, Noah, from that day forward, okay, I missed time training. From that day forward, it was infinite, even as a white belt it was infinitely harder to get me in an arm bar. That did wonders. That moment, short-term pain, It, you know, I still trained around the injury, but I couldn't train the way I wanted to train for the next two months. But that created an awareness in me of my arm. The, that consequence, that dance with pain, it wound up being wonderful for me in terms of art. Best thing... The best thing for my arm bar defense was getting my arm popped. I'm not recommending that for everybody else. But getting my arm popped helped my armbar defense and awareness exponential. Because I said from that point on, when people catch you in arm bars, it's you, it could be devastating because they're so fast. Because when they're good, they're fast. So I realized, man, if you don't get good at defending arm bars, man, you— Sometimes they're just so fast, you're going to you're gonna be having your arm popped. I didn't want that. So I started really paying attention to armbar defense and armbar awareness. And that is – that's how the sport can work in funny ways, right? You didn't know it at the time. It sucked. But it, that was the best thing that ever happened to me in, in terms of raising my awareness and getting – and I think the same thing. I think Jordan is probably going to be a lot harder to catch – in an arm bar moving forward. Can you hear us, Jordan? You can't, we can't
1: Jordan, can you hear us? Jordan, can you hear us? Oh man. Hey Frank, on your end, can you raise your camera? I, it's cutting your face off. We're looking at your midsection.
0: No, can you see me?
1: Uh, yeah, well. It's just not that good there. Yeah, That's
0: it.
1: yeah. may have to. Yeah, yes, That's it's this. not working. Jordan That's says Jordan sent a message on the platform. He's trying. He's Jordan is trying to get his uh, to get his to get his uh, technology up and running here. There you go. That's much what's
0: better. Up, brother? Right. Hey, what's our what's the time like right now? Noah, we've been we've been going for a while.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and it was great to. Um, have Jordan pop in um, he's having some difficulty here um, it is uh, it's 38 past the hour if we can go for another 15 minutes yeah uh, well we got we, we got the top portion of Jordan's head now we got it. there we go Jordan how about now I think this is a no-go for Jordan today Jordan anything
0: Bueller? Buehler All right. let's go. We can't we can't deny our our viewers. They deserve every minute.
1: Come on, Jordan. Come on, Jordan.
0: I hear nothing. Come on, Noah. Let's go. All right. It's a two-man show. That is that is the universe's way of saying it's a two-man show. That's the way out.
1: Let me I'm just gonna text in real quick and that's
0: that's how the universe speaks. That's how that's how we when it when it speaks we must listen. The universe speaketh. Oh, come on. You're killing me with this. Yeah. We, we, you know, you know know what the definition of insanity is, the definition of insanity according to, uh, was it Einstein maybe or who is it?
1: No, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Wow. Now we do. Now we have him.
2: Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I was so worried when I came in here. There was an echo, but now the echo is gone. So I think we're good for a couple minutes at least.
1: Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I just texted
0: you and said it looks like not today. <laughs> okay. So
1: what, um, uh,
0: Jordan? What I what I was saying is, yeah. I was telling the story. I don't know if you had audio, but I was telling the story of when I got my arm popped with Nam Fan, and yeah. what I was saying in the end is that that helped my armbar defense and awareness exponentially. I was way, from that day forward, I was so much harder to catch in arm bars, man. And You probably will be, too. Yeah. I felt like
2: I had really good armbar defense before this. It, I feel like it's definitely going to help my armbar defense, but I feel like it's going to just make me make me more focused inside of competition and more ready. Because, man, I, just, I don't know what the hell was going on, man. I just could not turn it on. I just could not Whatever it was, I was trying to warm up backstage, and I was like doing normal warm-up routine. Where like I do like low ankles and like high knees, and I'm trying to jump and I'm trying to get my body warmed up. Man, I don't know why, Frank. I wasn't even. Is your? I was not. Is your? Is your opponent?
0: Is your opponent known for his arm bars? Is he known for arm bars though? Or I don't know.
2: I I didn't look him up at all before the match. I don't know what he's known for. But um. I don't know why, dude, but I, I like before the tournament, I was feeling good. I was feeling great. I was not worried at all. I had literally zero anxiety about the tournament. I wasn't I wasn't anxious to compete at all, but I just could not get motivated to compete. Like I couldn't, like I didn't even really feel like doing anything that day. I was trying to jump and get warmed up backstage. And I just felt like lactic acid in my, in my legs, like a lot. Like I was trying to jump and I just felt sluggish. Like I couldn't even jump. I was like, what the yeah, hell that,
0: is going that, on, man? That, that's why when, when, when they say that, you know, having a little bit of fear before a tournament or a fight can be good, like a little bit, you know, we have, when you, I mean, when I say yeah. fear, I mean a little bit of the butterflies and the excitement. I don't mean, yeah, I like didn't have none a of that. little bit. Yeah. That, that's why when, when I was wrestling in high school, if I didn't have at least some butterflies, some eagerness, a little bit of, like, rev and, and my motor going, if I felt flat like you're describing, it, it used to scare me. So I'll tell you one, one quick story. So my my first match, at Baltimore County Wrestling Tournament, 16, 16 people. I had the state runner over my bracket. The first match was against the, wor- the the number six. I was the number one seed. This guy was the number 16 seed. Supposed to be the worst guy in the bracket, right? I had what you were describing, right? I came before the match. I had no adrenaline, and I was trying to, like, tell myself the narrative. Like, don't overlook the guy. He's going to come with everything. I was trying to, but it wasn't registering. So I go out there flat. I go out there flat. Within, like, 30 seconds, the guy's got me in a cradle, and I'm looking up at the stands, right? He's got me me in a cradle, and he's 30 seconds from being able to pin me, and I'm looking up in the stands at people, and I'm like, Is this really happening? This guy's the number 16 guy. Like, that's what happened in the
2: arm bar, man. (laughs) I I looked at my arm. I looked at my arm fully extended and like the crowd watching me. And I was like, Am I really in this arm bar right now? Like, what the hell is going on? Like, am I seriously in this arm bar right now? Like, I should not be here. There's no reason for me to be here. I know this arm bar entry. I do this entry all the time. Why am I here right now? How did this happen? Like, (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> there is, there is, there are surreal moments on the mat, especially in a live tournament where you're like, "But th- th- is this like, wait, I've had those where I'm like, is this like some out of some other dimension? But but I actually, I came to my senses, I got out of that little cradle, I got out of bounds, and then I, and that woke me up, right? Once, once I came back and I was like, this guy's for real, like, and I woke up and I did what I needed to do. But there's a... Uh, there's definitely, um, you know, th- that's a very concerning thing when you come out flat like that, brother, when you when you come out yeah. flat and because you want to have like, you know, you kind of want to have something going on inside because that tends to raise our awareness up. Right. We tend to be more, you know, you're flat. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, that, that, that I, I'm always aware, like that's why like so when, when you're younger. See, in the old days in the tournaments, like even IBJJF, you'd go to some of the tournaments. You would have to wait like three hours. They would call your name, right? Frank Forza, whatever, Jordan Worth, And there were times they'd call you in the deck. You'd make the wait. You would sit there warming up for three hours. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, yeah. One time I had three, three and a half hours, right? Three and a half hours one time. Like, Well, that used to drive me nuts because I couldn't time – because once they take forever at some point you're just like I don't want to warm up again and then you sit for yeah. 20 30 minutes you get cold and then they come and call your name and you're thinking damn I feel flat now right but yeah. because they don't let you know when you're going to roll they they're teasing you it's almost like call you in the, I call you into the into the competitors area and you're thinking you're going to go in 5 10 15 minutes And then an hour, hour and a half later, you have no idea when you're going to go. So what do you start doing? You stop warming up. And then when they finally call your name, what happens? You're flat. You're totally flat. And that's the worst. And that's what I hate when tournaments do that to the athletes. The athletes should have an idea of you're up in 15 minutes. You're up in 30 so that you can time your warm-up. That's the beauty of UFC. With UFC, they know when they come to get you, it's like, you're after this fight like you know what you know how to time your warm-up accordingly if you're a ufc fighter right i mean there's no mystery um yeah i agree
2: with that man sometimes they have you in the bullpen for way too long
0: i i think it might be getting better now because they just have so many athletes that um that uh, i actually had one tournament ufc grapplers quest which i like and i i enjoy that tournament but um i had one of those where I waited for so many hours that I just gave up and I I had to leave. I was like, "How did go? I, just can't. <laughs> I wanted to get a match, black belt too. I wanted the match bad, but at some point, like three three hours and something, I just tapped out. I'm like, "Bro, like, no, man." I I, I felt like a sucker, man. I was like, "This is yeah. like," and they kept they kept telling me they kept telling me, "Oh, it's coming up. Oh, it's coming up." <laughs> for, for, you know, every twenty minutes, oh, it's coming up. I'm looking I'm like, dude it's three and a half hours, man. I left. That, yeah that sucks. that sucks because you get excited for those for those um, you know you get excited for the for the, the the one good thing though, Jordan, since you're competing, the tournaments are the ultimate in giving you feedback to fix. like you can go to practice and people can learn I need to fix this. but the tournaments and the live competitions or if somebody's a fighter, that's the ultimate in learning because it, yeah. it just accelerates. It accelerates your learning so much. You know, you're going to learn the counter to the move that you lose to in a tournament. You know, you're going to remember that like it's etched, it's like tattooed to your brain, right? are yeah. In training, sometimes people don't pay as much attention to they as they should. But if you're competitive and you're going there and you're getting, you know, embarrassed or beaten or tapped, whatever. You pay attention exponentially, man. It just it just tattooed on your brain. Like, okay, I can't do that, Jordan.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, man. That armbar, that armbar really really me. Um, like like you said, it's definitely going to make my armbar defense better. But I think what it's really going to do is just make me make me ment- be more mentally prepared to compete like really take this shit seriously man like the guy if i don't take the competition serious the guy's going to break my arm you know like i was like i was kind of rolling with him like like a flow roll every day like i do in the gym you know what i mean like i wasn't ready to kill him in, out there you know like i should have been so I just got to I got to make sure that I do not make any mistakes and that I am constantly on point because especially at the level of competition that I'm at now I can't I can't be making mistakes, you know. At the white belt level you can make lots of mistakes. Blue belt level you can make lots of mistakes. Purple belt level purple belts make all sorts of mistakes. But now at the brown ba- brown black level like one mistake that's all that that's all that the guys waiting for, you know. Very little mistakes are made. As soon as one mistake is made, that's what that's what gets your arm broken, man. So I got to make sure that I'm I'm more mentally ready to compete, and I'm more, I'm more um, focused on competition day.
1: Last night, USC um, two fifty three. Uh, I was watching um, Paulo Costa, and yeah. it seemed like he, he was he w- he was um, entranced. Yeah, within too. within his within his uh, narrative, his own mental narrative of. Wanting to play, you know, like you can't hurt me, Israel, and uh, you know, because he fell in, it, fell into that. I see that often, you know, watching Dana White contender series, I see that kind of mental trap occurring a lot, where the fighter, uh, uh, one one of the fighter that the fighter that loses, falls into this. You see them mentally, un. Like they 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 just check out. They stop fighting back. You know they, yeah. d- the and I, I did see uh one um it's whenever the fighters start pulling their punches they pull the kicks back, you know, and they do this half uh this half effort half assed spin around instead of a crisp sharp pirouette. You know on, you know you don't see that. Um, but um, you know, so maybe maybe this is something where Jordan, if you watch some of these uh, Dana White Contender Series, if you just spend time watching a lot of that, you'll see these fighters and you'll see them where they mentally, you know, the mental traps that they fall into. Um, yeah. Before you came on, before you came on the podcast today, uh, um, Frank and I w- were in a deep discussion about pain uh, and um some of the way some of the techniques to step out of your own programming your own scripts with yeah. with it and um we're talking about this meditation technique where you're looking out and then you then start saying trying to look back at the looker you know trying to look instead of looking out at the object of where you are you know, your subject looking at the object, turn that around where you're looking out, but try to look back in to you. And it's, you know, that surreal moment you felt uh, when, whenever you were caught in that arm arm bar. It it was probably a lapse in, you know, um Probably what you know you you felt the reason why you fell into like this is you're not on edge is because you do a lot of so much training that you're going at it at that flow roll state instead of that competition level.
0: No, and you know, and no, knowing Jordan and having trained with Jordan um, quite a bit over the years, I totally understand what he's saying because he does have sometimes he has that he has that flowy thing, right. And and even in competition, because a lot of times it does work in Jordan's favor. Yeah, a lot of times it does work in Jordan's favor because, um, because it's a form of deception. So someone like someone like Jordan, right? Jordan Jordan's a finisher. Jordan is a is a submitter. He's not a points player. So something that Jordan does sometimes is Jordan will I call him a luller. He will try to lull you he lulls you into a false sense of security. So sometimes that works to his favor because he's able to deceive you and make you think, oh, everything's okay, I'm not dangerous. Look, I'm not moving explosive. I'm not I'm not wound up. And then the next thing you know, you kind of go into a hornet's nest and he catches you in a heel hook or a knee bar or whatever. That is very Jordan-esque. That is, that is a lot of Jordan's essence. But it can also cost you. Because you could be sleepwalking, or a little slow starter, or you could be not appreciating the danger. I'm talking about Jordan here. Not, right. When you have sort of that, when you have sort of that sleepwalker, luller thing, where you're setting the other guy up, sometimes you yourself can have a false sense of danger. You might not appreciate the danger of someone like this athlete he came into, who's just explosive, somebody who's very decisive bam, bam, and he he, he really goes for it, right? And so that can be a good lesson for Jordan to sort of find that balance point of, okay, that luller thing, that deceiver thing where Jordan plays kind of that hornet's nets and he doesn't really attack you all the time and you get into a false sense of security and then bam, you're looking up and he, you know, that works wonderfully for him, but he's also got to balance it now too and realize sometimes you're out there with, some very, like he said, the brown belt and the black belt elite level, where they are very decisive, they're very explosive, bam, bam, and the fight could be over. So sometimes that Luller thing, which can be a little more patient, can can cost you. So he, he's right. I mean, this is a great lesson for him, too, which is, um, you know, we saw that Donald Cerrone was like that in the UFC. Donald Cerrone is a notoriously slow starter, so he had to change the way he would warm up because even now listen Donald Cerrone has improved tremendously in his round one start but even now you just saw his last fight against Nico Price right Nico Price maybe set the record for most punches thrown in round one I mean he was all over Donald Cerrone like the first three minutes overwhelmed him because the scouting report on Donald still remains even at 37 38 years old 50 some fights into his career the scouting point still remains Donald Cerrone is a slow start. You better get him early. Some athletes are just slow starters, right? And that's when we talk about know thyself, and we talk about peak performance and human performance. That is a very important thing. If Jordan's going to learn two very valuable lessons out of this, this is actually going to be very good for him. He's going to learn how to become a better starter, right? How to how to not sleepwalk as much like that, or be flowy. Practice training flowy. That's gonna he's going to learn how to. How to how to how to conquer that and he's going to be a lot better he thinks he was already good at armbar defense I'm sure he was but at this level he's gonna get a lot better now at armbar awareness and armbar defense so long term um, I think this is that that, that tournament is probably gonna help Jordan a lot yeah
1: well we, we went down a path today that was uh, quite insightful so um, all right let's let's call it a wrap yeah um, with uh with where we are right now it's a good time to uh you know put a bow on this
0: it's been a pleasure my friend everybody watching everymanbjj at gmail.com uh this is week 40 noah so we're 40 weeks into the year i think we've got you know 36 37 episodes we got a few more to catch up but we're, we're doing it we're we're building up the library we're building up the archives and i i do think for people out there watching you know, we think we're going to have some jewels. We think that we're going to we're going to have a lot of good stuff in these videos, and uh, and um, we hope you enjoy it. So,
1: absolutely. Uh, whenever you get back to Vegas, perhaps we can do an on, an on-site. All three of us get together in one spot. Uh, that way, we don't have this uh, these technical issues either. That'll be nice to yeah. Hear. All right. Well, nice talking to you all this right, week, Frank. Bye, it's brother. a wrap. All right. Take care. See you, bud. All right, bye.
0: that's it for today's episode of everyman bjj thanks for listening look for new episodes of everyman bjj every week wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com